1: I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber live like a gagillionaire, available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit attcom slash hypergig with details.
0: Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles
1: Some of us used to, but that love got pounded out of us with bad experiences in school. History became a rote memorization of names, dates, and facts. Basically, the story got left out, and for some of us, that made history kind of suck. Hi, my name is Greg Jackson, and as a university professor with a PhD in history, making history come to life for others has become my passion in life's work. It's why I created my podcast, History That Doesn't Suck. I want to teach you everything you need to know about U.S. history, but I do it through stories. Whether we're talking about battles, writing the Constitution, industrialization, social movements or even tax policy, there are real people who live through these events and their stories make the mundane come to life. Let me tell you what it was like for George Washington to beg his men in tears not to mutiny against Congress. For Elizabeth Cady Stanton to struggle for her father's approval, then fight for women's rights or for enslaved teenage Frederick Douglass to fight back during a beating, then go on to fight the whole system of slavery. Please join me on this journey through U.S. history. Subscribe to History That Doesn't Suck, and join me every other Monday for a new episode, where I'd like to tell you a story.
2: Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Encyclopedia Womanica. Today's contender was a pioneering American athlete who overcame childhood paralysis to become a legendary track and field star. She was an Olympic champion and international sports icon following her performances in the 1956 and 1960 Olympic Games. Please welcome Wilma Rudolph. Wilma was born on June 23, 1940, in St. Bethlehem, Tennessee, to Ed and Blanche Rudolph. She was the 20th of 22 siblings born across her father's two marriages. Soon after she was born, Wilma's family moved to Clarksville, Tennessee, so her father could work as a railway porter. Wilma was born prematurely, and she suffered a number of serious childhood illnesses in her early years, including scarlet fever and pneumonia. She also had a bout of polio when she was five. She survived polio but developed infantile paralysis in her left foot and leg as a result of the virus. This caused severe weakness and disability in that leg and forced her to wear a heavy brace to provide support. The prognosis was bleak. Wilma later wrote, "'My doctor told me I would never walk again. My mother told me I would. I believed my mother." With limited medical care available to African-Americans in 1940s Clarksville, Wilma's mother made weekly bus trips with her to a historically black medical college in Nashville for treatment and physical therapy. These treatments, along with daily massages provided by her family members, helped Wilma slowly regain strength in her left leg. By the time she was 12, Wilma had made enough progress to walk and even run without her brace. Early on, Wilma had to be homeschooled due to illness, but when she was seven, she started attending public elementary school. By the time she started high school, she was not only fully able to walk, but was a basketball and track star for her school. Others outside of school saw her burgeoning athletic talent too. She was noticed by Tennessee State University's track coach when she was just 14. So Wilma began training regularly at Tennessee State, a track and field powerhouse at the time, She even competed for the university while still technically in high school. When Wilma was 16 years old, she was invited to attend the 1956 U.S. Olympic Track and Field Team Qualifying Trials in Seattle, Washington. She qualified to compete in the 200-meter individual event at the 1956 Olympics, making her the youngest member of the U.S. Olympic team in Melbourne, Australia. Wilma didn't make it out of the preliminary heats of the 200-meter dash, but she was a member of the American 4x100 relay team that won bronze at that Olympics. She vowed she would return to the 1960 Summer Olympics in Rome and that she would then win gold. In 1958, Wilma began attending Tennessee State as a full-time student while continuing her track training there. Over the next two years, she won a slew of medals at international amateur and collegiate events. Still, her eye was set on the 1960 Olympics. At the 1960 US track and field team qualifying trials in Abilene, Texas, Wilma set a world record in the 200 meter dash. She retained that record for the next eight years. She also qualified for the Olympics in the 100 meter dash. Wilma arrived at the 1960 Summer Olympics with dreams of winning gold. She left having earned her place as one of the greatest athletes of the 20th century.
1: Rome welcomes the summer games of the 17th Olympiad.
2: Competing on a cinder track, Wilma won gold in the 100 meter dash, the 200 meter dash, and in the 4x100 meter relay. She was the first American woman in history to win three gold medals at a single Olympics.
0: Rudolph destroyed the field in the 200 meters to claim her second gold medal.
2: She was called The Tornado, The Flash, and The Fastest Woman in History. The 1960s Olympics were the first games to be televised internationally, and Wilma was one of the breakout stars of the coverage, along with fellow American teammates Cassius Clay, who later changed his name to Muhammad Ali, and Oscar Robertson. She was thrust into the international spotlight, where she was called the greatest American athlete of the day, and was hailed for her physical grace and beauty. After the Olympics, Wilma went on a European tour where she competed in packed stadiums across the continent. She then headed back to the US where she received a heroine's welcome. Wilma's hometown of Clarksville, Tennessee wanted to celebrate with a parade and day of festivities. Wilma refused to attend unless the event was integrated. As a result, Welcome Wilma Day, held on October 4, 1960, became the first fully integrated event in Clarksville history. It was attended by an estimated 1,100 people. In
1: 1961,
2: Wilma won the prestigious Associated Press Female Athlete of the Year Award. A year later, at just 22 years old, Wilma retired from track competition she wanted to leave at the top of her game. To get a standing ovation in my own country, outdoors, which I'd never had before, I think was the grandest moment in my career. I retired that day, and I have never regretted it. With regard to competing in the upcoming 1964 Olympics, Wilma said, If I won two medals, there would be something lacking. I'll stick with the glory I've already won, like Jesse Owens did in 1936. After her retirement, Wilma went on to finish her degree in elementary education at Tennessee State and became a second grade teacher and a high school track coach. Throughout the years, she continued her involvement in promoting amateur athletics. Wilma died of a brain tumor on November 12, 1994, in Brentwood, Tennessee. She was 54 years old. All month, we're talking about explorers and contenders. For more on why we're doing what we're doing, check out our Encyclopedia Womanica newsletter, Womanica Weekly. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Encyclopedia Womanica. And you can follow me directly on Twitter at Jenny M. Kaplan. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow.